Hallelujah. Oh, I've got a piece of paper. Have you ever been misunderstood? Do you know that Bombardier, have you ever heard of Bombardier? Some people call him Bombardier. But Bombardier, he makes the Ski-Doo. Anybody heard of the Ski-Doo? It's a Canadian icon. Do you know that his original name for it was called Ski-Dog? In fact, when he built his first prototype, he told them, I want this to be called Ski-Dog. And, and he wrote it all down. He wrote out for the brochure. And the guy that took the brochure and translated it into his, his actual brochure misread it. And instead of Ski-Dog, he missed the last G and he made it an O and he actually called it Ski-Doo by accident. Misunderstanding. And the rest we know is history. I've got another one for you, misunderstanding. On July 23rd in 1983, so this is in recent memory, this is like 33 years ago. Air Canada, flight 143, ran out of fuel halfway between Montreal and Edmonton. How can a plane run out of fuel halfway between its destination? Now, it didn't fall out of the sky. They realized it, and, and they landed, and so they had to have an emergency landing. Do you know why they, miss, they, they ran out of fuel? They miscalculated, and they misunderstood pounds for kilograms. Professionals. Misunderstandings can go a long way. Misunderstandings can, can, it, it can be just catastrophic. Here's another one for you. This one goes back a little further, and I am not a historian, but I'll read this to you. In early September 1862, as Robert E. Lee, and if you ever watched um, the Dukes of Hazard, you know that card, the General Lee? Okay. He led his army of Virginia into Maryland in the first Confederate invasion of the North. He dispatched handwritten movement orders to his top generals detailing the routes and maneuvers while slightly dividing his forces. Unfortunately for the rebels, the commander of Lee's rear guard, a gentleman named D.H. Hill, mistakenly left the orders behind at a campsite when his troops moved on. The orders were serendipitously discovered by a Union shoulder, shoulder, soldier a short time later and quickly found their way to the North's top commander, George McClellan. And with this inside information, the Union army was able to move into a more advantageous position and attack the rebel army in the Battle of Antietam. Antietam. Not only was this the bloodiest single day of battle in American history, over 22,000 casualties, but it led to General Lee's re retreat from the north and gave President Abraham Lincoln the Union victory he had been waiting for to announce the Emancipation Procl Proclamation, which was freeing all the slaves in the south. Have you ever been misunderstood? Can you imagine being understood, misunderstood 
to that extent? Have you ever had something happen to you where you've had a conversation and then later on you said, well, this is what I said, and the person looks at you and goes, no, this is what you said. Husbands and wives don't look at each other and don't hate each other and go, listen up, pastor's talking to you. Don't do that. So this morning I want to talk about understanding God. Because I believe many times we misunderstand who God is. And when we misunderstand, we don't know who He is. And when we don't understand who God is, what happens is we actually convey Him to other people incorrectly. If we don't really understand who God is and how He loves us, we cannot convey to somebody else how God loves them because we are not understanding it correctly. When I was a kid and I went to Bible fellowship as a young boy, the pastor there, Pastor Kirk Dunklin, would sometimes refer to it as Christians had birth defects. And what, what he was meaning by that was we didn't understand God in the way that he actually was. If I was to ask you to close your eyes right now and to picture God, many of you would have different pictures of who God is. Some of you would have a picture of God with a club. And I'm not trying to be funny. But some of us understand God to be somebody who will say, no, you're not good enough. Some of us will have a picture of God with His arms wide open, similar to the, the statue there in Brazil, wide open. Some of us will have a picture of God all white, with this huge white duck dynasty, dynasty beard, sitting on this throne and just sitting there, almost unconnected, disconnected. And what happens is the picture that we have of God actually comes out in how we live and how we show Him to others. Now I've got 15 minutes. I couldn't even recite to you all 66 books in, six, in 15 minutes, so I, I'm not going to do this justice, but I want to plant a seed in your heart today and in your mind of how you think about God today. The month of May, we're going to do a, an evangelism focus. And as Charlene was mentioning, the Tuesday nights and the Thursday nights. Tuesday nights are open to anybody who's interested to get an introduction to evangelism. There will be some material there, there will be some information, and there might even be opportunities in some instances to go out and to share with people. But the idea on the Tuesday nights is that you would learn more about evangelism. The Thursday nights are for those people that are, are maybe more established in the faith that you believe God has called you to be an evangelist or not necessarily even that you're called to be an evangelist, but you just say, you know what, I, I need to learn how to share it even better and greater and stronger. And uh, the Thursday nights would be a little more in-depth, greater understanding and greater revelation on evangelism. So the Tuesday nights and the Thursday nights are not identical. 
And the Tuesday night class, if you come, I am not asking you or expecting you to come Thursday. In fact, I'm saying if you come one or the other, you don't have to come both. And then every weekend in May, we're going to be doing some form of evangelism. Not this weekend coming up, but the 10th, uh, yeah, the 10th, 17th, 24th, and 31st. One of them will be in Cranbrook, the 31st. Uh, one of them will be in Lillooet. Uh, one of them will be in Seashelt, and one of them will be in Abbotsford. So those are coming up. And what we're doing is we are going to be sharing God's love with other people. We're going to be sharing God's love with other people. I believe, when you ask me what does my picture of evangelism look like, my picture of evangelism does not look like standing on a soapbox, pointing my finger and yelling at people. My picture of evangelism is going out and loving people. So I do not want you to misunderstand God so that you misconvey Him incorrectly. So I want to give you just a few thoughts this morning. I've got a lot of them, and I know I'm not going to get through all of them. But I want to give you a few thoughts about God and understanding Him, and I want to give it in the picture of the word love. So you could put up my graphics. There we go. All right. I was thinking that 70s show. I was going to go to Value Village and get one of those long wigs, one of those suede jackets and bell bottoms, and come here and see if anybody recognized me. Hey, dude, peace, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. The territory of love. If you misunderstand God, you're in big trouble. Think about that. If you misunderstand God, you're in big trouble. You cannot afford to misunderstand God. And we're not going to figure that all out in the next 13 minutes. I am keeping track of my time. Clock stands still. <laughs> That's probably one prayer nobody else here agrees with. <laughs> Oh, man. Do you know that your life reflects your vision of God? Your life reflects what you believe about God. Your life reflects what you think about God. Your life reflects what you say about God. Your life reflects everything about you reflects and mirrors what you think about God. The way you treat your husband, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your children, the way you treat your boss, the way you treat your employees, the way you treat the waitress, the way you treat your vehicle, the way you treat your animals reflects your opinion and your view and your belief of God. Everything. You can't separate God from your life. I know people who've asked me and wanted me almost to be their spiritual back pocket. They've almost wanted me just to be connected with them enough so that when they got in trouble, they just go like this and go, oh, now I pull out my spiritual card. That's not how God wants you to live. 
I'll tell you, I'm all in. I am all in. 100% and then some. And your life reflects what you believe about God. So to, in order to reflect Him best, we need to know Him better. You know, you can't give what you don't have. Peter and John, when they were going to the temple to pray, and the beggar was standing there and he was asking for money, he said to them, would you help me? And Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have give I thee. You don't have to have money to lead someone to Christ. You don't have to have finances in order to see salvation, to see healing, to see deliverance. What you have to do is you have to know God and you have to be able to take God and give Him to someone else. And it's not something just for Sunday morning from 10.30 till 12.15. And God forbid that Pastor David would go to 12.18. And I'm trying to be done by 12.00. When I was in university, they told me the best way to learn something was to actually teach it. So I was a student in some mathematics and some calculus classes doing some pretty crazy stuff. I couldn't explain it to you. <laughs> That's how crazy it was. But I was learning some pretty high-level math. It wasn't just algebra. It was a little more than that. And I was struggling, but I understood a few of the concepts. And as I was sitting there, they would say, okay, if you need help, come to this TA session, and there's going to be some teacher assistants in this room, and you're going to be able to sit there and study, and they're going to help you. And if you can, what you can do is you can help somebody else. So if you've got somebody in your class with you, you can work on it together. So I did not know some of these things. I understood maybe, say, 50% of how to solve the problem. And so I went to a few of these classes, and in a couple of them, not very many, but in a couple of them, I actually was able to sit with another student, and we worked through the problem, and I was able to explain to that student how to get to the answer. And when I did that, the understanding of that problem became greater and it became more knowledge. It became something that became part of me than if I just sat in the class and took notes and did all these little squiggly lines and X to the nth power and this and that and what is... The... When I did it with somebody else and I actually helped them solve the problem, what happened is it became more of me. That's the same with your relationship with God. If you take your relationship with God, whether you think it's at a level 1, or whether you think it's at a level 9, or whether you think it's at a level 15, it doesn't matter. If you take your relationship and your relationship level that you would consider with God, and you were able to take that and to show it to somebody else, your level of relationship would grow in understanding. All of a sudden, your heart would beat a little differently. All of a sudden, tears would come to your eyes in a different way. All of a sudden, compassion would grip you when you saw something. Why? Because now you were not just learning it, but you were actually doing it with them. 
And that's what I'm praying and asking God for this month of May, that we would learn how to not just hear it and see it and, and, and listen to it, but that we'd actually put some feet and some heart and some hands to what we're doing. And that's found through the word love. I want to show you a couple of verses. If you, if you go with me to 1 Corinthians 13, many of you have heard this verse many times, this passage. But I want to just share with you a few verses about the word love. If you want to understand love, first of all, it says in John that God is love. It's not God is part of love or love is a part of God. God is love. There's another passage that says perfect love casts out fear. If you, want to, if you see somebody fearing, what you do is you show them love. And if you show them perfect love, that fear will subside and leave because love will take it. In fact, I was reading and they say love and fear are almost opposites of each other. So whatever you're deficient in love, you're probably having extra in fear. And when you understand God and His love, what happens is His love grows and that fear diminishes. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, I want to just read a few verses. I'm not going to exegesis this. You can go online and you can Google it and do it yourself. But I want you to see a short description of some of the words of love and how this is applicable to you and me. First of all, love is not a feeling. It's a popular song, but it's not a feeling. Okay? Love is not a feeling. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I was going to ask somebody to come back here, but can you imagine if all I talk... And I'm trying to tell you all about love, but I'm not doing it. All I'm doing is speaking. In today's world, kids today, they wouldn't say I'm a clanging cymbal. What they would say is blah, 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 blah. Right? Have you ever heard that expression? You know, husbands and wives, have you ever had that conversation? And all of a sudden, the voice is turned to blah, 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 blah. When we try to tell somebody all about love, and we speak it, but we don't do it, it's just blah, 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 blah. It's as, as coherent as one of those peanuts characters. If I have the gift of prophecy, man, if I can speak things in the spiritual realm, if I can speak things from the heavenly realm, if I can see into heaven and take what God has in heaven and speak it to you, man, if I can do that, man, that'd be amazing. If, 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 I, have, if I know all the mysteries, man, if you come to me and I know all the mysteries... If I'm so wise that you come to me with your problem, then I got the answers, I got the solutions. Wouldn't that be valuable? Wouldn't that be like, oh, I want to get around him. He's got what I need. 
But it says, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Man, if you don't have love, words might as well just be nothing. Don't even speak if you don't got love. It's basically what he's saying. Don't waste your breath if you're not prepared to follow it up with action. If I have all the faith, man, if I've got so much faith that I can remove mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. Now it says in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is important. Faith is amazing. In fact, at the end of this chapter, it says, now the greatest of these three, uh, there remains three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith is amazing. Faith is powerful. Faith is required. But if faith is not coupled with love, it's nothing. Do you see the importance of love? You go to any high school campus in Abbotsford and kids are screaming for love they don't really care about what you say but they care about you putting an arm around them they don't really they don't even want to listen to you kids will not listen to you but they will gravitate to you when you put your arm around them and love them you don't have to judge them you just have to love them and if you want to help them, you don't help them by speaking to them all their wrongs and, and this and that. What you do is you love them and you build a relationship with you, with them, and then you're able to get into their life. And by the way, it's not about correcting them, it's about loving them. I'm not loving somebody so I can correct them. God is the one that brings the correction. God is the one that brings it. I'm here to love them and to show them Christ. Oh, my Lord. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body, man, isn't it amazing if you could, like, what kind of martyr would be that? If he would surrender his life, but if he doesn't have love, love trumps life. Now, if you're taking notes, everybody said amen. Yeah. I'll pass them out later if you want them. Love is patient. Love is patient. What does love look like? This is a picture of God, by the way. This is a picture of God. I'm amazed that we talk about grace in the New Testament. Do you know grace was also evident in the Old Testament? I can't tell you how many times I've read when he says, if you will return from your sin and come to me, I will heal your land. If you turn from this, and, and there was time and time again, even though they make a mistake, they come back to him and he is there for them, waiting for them, loving them. That's a picture of grace. That's a picture of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is is not jealous. Man, if you live in jealousy, you're not living in love. 
Love does not brag. Hmm. That would stop a lot. Love is not arrogant. Love is not about tooting your own horn. Love is not about tooting your own horn. Love is about tooting your other, the other person's horn. This is a picture of God. Love does not act unbecomingly. Have you ever met somebody who acts unbecomingly? That's like an old English word. It doesn't act in a weird way. Love, love does not seek its own. Love is not in it for its own good. Love is not there to say, what can I get out of this? I mean, this, this hits me. I was walking in the mall last week, and I saw somebody walk by that wasn't too clean, had a bit of a drag in one of their foot. You know my first reaction was? To look away. And God caught me and said, David, don't you love them? I was like, oh, he got me. By the way, I passed 12. Yeah, you're still here. I'm not going to go till 2, don't worry. Um, love is not provoked. And you cannot provoke love. In other words, you can't, it, when you, love doesn't get provoked. Love doesn't get messed up, angry, worked up. Ooh, that's not love. Have you ever tried to poke the tiger? Or the tigger? It depends if you know Winnie the Pooh or not. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Can you imagine not taking into account when you've had somebody done somebody wrong? Some isn't that a Linda? I'm, I'm thinking of all these songs. You know, somebody's done somebody wrong. Some yeah, isn't that Linda Ronstead or something like that? I don't, oh, B.J. Thomas. That's right, B.J. Thomas, who actually became a Christian. So, okay, so that makes that me saying it in church a little better. Okay. Actually, you know, there's more songs written about love than there is about any other subject. Love is like a subject that everybody wants to get a grab on and hold of and figure out. And we need to get a hold of it. We need to understand it. Because the world isn't craving for this or that. The world is craving for somebody just to love them. You look at somebody in their eyes and you look them in their eyes and you say, I love you. You watch the way their eyes change. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Whew. Man, I don't want to spend too much time on that one. I got too many examples. Personal. Love rejoices with the truth. Can you celebrate 
when somebody else is doing well? Can you celebrate the truth of somebody doing something right and they're doing truth and they're getting ahead? Can you celebrate with them? Or are you going to be like some of those people standing in the background going, just wait, just wait. Oh, they're going to make a mistake. They're getting so proud. They're getting so haughty. Pride comes before fall. Pride. Love rejoices with the truth. Truth is true. Love bears all things. <laughs> he doesn't give you any way out. He doesn't say, well, you can do 99 things, but the 100 thing you don't have to worry about. No, bears all things. Man, God, sometimes he's funny. You don't think he's funny? Look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. I wake up these days, my, I purposely let my hair grow a little longer in the top, you know, trying to be cool. I get up in the morning, I get up in the morning and it's like sticking straight up. It's like, what has gone on? God is so funny. I mean, if you got no hair, you got no idea what I'm talking about. Love bears all things. What are you prepared to bear? Do you have a limit to what you're put up with? Do you say, I'll help him, but I'm not going to help him? Am I going to discriminate in my love? Love believes all things. Now, love is not stupid. Love is not stupid. But are you prepared to love somebody and believe them and give them that opportunity? And I'm not saying it's stupid. And I don't think love is blind. But love does believe. They say, <laughs> they say love is blind, but marriage takes the blinders off. Uh, <laughs> If you're not married, don't worry. If you are, you know what I'm talking about. Love hopes all things. Love hopes. The word hope talks about a favorable expectation. Love is optimistic. You can't love somebody and not be optimistic. Man, when somebody loves somebody, they're optimistic. Man, I can't wait to see them. They're not like, oh man, I dread seeing this person. I love them so much. I can't wait to see them. No, love is optimistic. Love hopes. Man, it's Tuesday, but Friday's coming and I get to go see them. Love hopes. When you share love with somebody, the love of God, are you sharing them a hope? Are you showing them and sharing them an expectation? Amen. I believe you, Jack. Good word. Love endures all things. What are you putting up with? What are you putting up with? Love endures all things. And then in verse 8, it just starts. 
I'm not going to go through the whole verse, but it just says, love never fails. Love never fails. If you want a great picture of love, take a few days and read chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians every day for three or four days. Or if you want, read it the whole week. But read it every day and just let it sit inside you and let it just, just kind of like gel, marinate, just, just become part of your thinking. Take one of those phrases and say, today I'm going to exercise love where that I hope all things. So today I'm going to be a love, a person of love that I just hope the best, that I hope in somebody, that I give them hope. Today I'm going to endure things for somebody else. Today I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be patient with somebody. God help me. Don't ask for that because it's going to happen to you. You ask for it, it's going to happen. So be careful. Say, God, be, you know, teach me patience. Oh, Lord, I'm going to pray for you. But take this passage. I mean, that's one chapter. We got 66 books. This is just, you know, if I put a string from that wall to this wall, I haven't even given you this much of the depth of God. But this much, it's like <laughs> that much. Love. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have Sean Boltz come. I am looking forward to it. He talks about love in a way that will just rattle you. In a good way. He moves in the prophetic, but he's got a revelation of God's love that it just challenges my thinking, the way he thinks about it, the way God has revealed it to him. So I want to lay a little bit of a groundwork so that when he comes, we can receive it better. We also are spending the whole month of May, we're looking at souls. The month of May, I'm expecting people to get saved at Solid Rock in Abbotsford, B.C. I'm expecting new faces in this body this month of May. That was a great place for an amen. And the one way, one way that we can see that happen is by sharing God's love. And I don't want you to share it with a misunderstanding of who God is. I don't want you to share it thinking you're talking about kilograms when you're actually talking about pounds. I don't want you to share it by leaving or forgetting something behind. I want you to understand and get a picture of God's love so that when we share it, we are actually taking God who He is through us and giving the best representation of Him to somebody else. Because it's not about what I think, it's about who He is. And it's understanding His love. His love is so great that while I was an enemy to Him, He died for me. He sought me out. I didn't seek God. God sought me out and looked for me when I was desperate and away from Him. He came and He knocked at my door. He's the one that initiated it. I want to read you one last passage. And then I want to share with you a prayer. 
But if you turn in your Bibles to Psalms 103, you want to get a picture of love? This is from the Old Testament, but this is an amazing picture. Psalm 103, and we're going to go verse 10, 11, 12, 13. It says in Psalm 103, verse 10, He has not dealt with us according to our sins. <laughs> the beginning of the verse says, Forget not all his benefits. That's one. He's not dealt with us according to our sins. All have sinned and come short of the, gospel, the glory of God. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has He rewarded us according to our iniquities. Thank you, God. That's love. He doesn't reward us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those that fear Him. This is for you today. If you know Him, this is part of the revelation and the reality of, of Him. If you don't know Him, this is an invitation for you to get to know Him today. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. He doesn't keep track of them. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You want a picture of the love of God. Man, that's pretty spot on. That's the love that we get to show people who don't know Christ. So I got a question for you. Is there anyone here today that wants to experience God's love for the first time? If you could bow your heads for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to ask you if you would raise your hands. If you want to experience God's love for the first time, He's here right now. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. If you say, I'd like to experience His love for the first time. Amen. Amen. If there's anybody here that says, you know what, I, I know about God's love, but man, I'd like a fresh start, a do-over, I'd like you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm doing okay, but if I was to be honest and I measure myself up to what God's love is and that description just in 1 Corinthians 13 alone, I'm not there. But you know what? I commit myself 
to loving like God loves, I'd like you to raise your hand. There's been Rand's hands raised all over the place. We're going to take a moment while Josh plays. You can put your hands down. And we're going to take just a moment or two and we're going to spend time getting his love. You're just going to sit down and you're just going to rest in his love. You're going to receive his love. Whatever you're craving for, whatever you're craving for. And I would encourage you in a physical posture just to raise your hands or to open them up like you're receiving. It's a physical posture, but it actually does something in the spirit realm. And if you want to receive right now, just open it up. Open your hands as if you're ready to receive. Just keep your eyes closed and just enjoy the Father's love. We're just going to take a moment. Just let him pour it on you right now. Mm. I'm just going to close with this prayer. And if you raised your hands, I'd like you to join with me in this prayer. And if you didn't raise your hand, I'd like you to join with me for the benefit of all. Just going to pray a short prayer. Heavenly Father, reveal your love to me. Captivate my heart. Surround my life. Cleanse me. Remove my sins as far as the east is from the west. I confess with my mouth that you are my king 
Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe in my heart that you died for my sin. Thank you. Lord, I ask for a revelation of your love to be poured out this week on all my brothers and my sisters. Full, real, dynamic. Lord, I ask that we would look in 1 Corinthians 13 and we would just pick one of those thoughts, one of those phrases in a day and say, this is what I'm going to do today. Make your love real in me, through me, to me. Bless everyone now in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.